Hello, everyone. Welcome to this special episode of Cloud Wars Live, which is part of our CEO Cloud Outlook 2021 series, where we're speaking with some of the top executives from some of the leading cloud vendors in the world. We're delighted that today our guest is Anil Bushri, this co-CEO of Workday. Anil has been the founder of Workday. He's been leading uh, the, the cloud charge for about 15 years. He's one of the leading proponents and evangelists for cloud technology, and he's made Workday into one of the most successful SaaS companies in the world. It's a pleasure to have Anil with us, and here is the conversation that Anil and I had about two months ago. Looking forward to... Uh, your reactions, and it's always a treat to get to hear from Anil. Anil, just a very broad thing, and I, you know, from the uh, couple of analyst briefings you've done, your earning quarterly earning stuff, I follow it very closely. But I just wanted to ask you, know, what do you think the state of the business world is right now, um, overall, and somewhat, you know, inescapably in light of the COVID impact? You know, I'll I'll start at the. Um at the lowest level, our business, and then, you know, maybe go from there. But um, our, our business has held up pretty well during COVID. And I think most forward-looking technology companies, I would hope people would view us as, um, as a part of the solution of this difficult world, as opposed to, you know, just an, another thing that they have to use. I think that uh, whether it's Salesforce or Workday or ServiceNow or Zoom or, or Cisco or Microsoft, I think we've all done our part to step up and, and, I, and that list could keep going. There's so many companies that have stepped up in this environment to take care of our customers, many of whom are on the front lines of taking care of us. And so that's been, that's been uh, uh, from a business perspective, that's, that's really been uh, what we've seen over the last uh, eight months now. I'm very proud of our employees. They, they really came together. Uh, working from home is not for everyone. It's definitely not for me. And uh, they've made it work and you know, we're, we're in business to take care of our customers and they've done a phenomenal job taking care of, of customers. I, I think the biggest thing on the, in the business world, which is something that is maybe a silver lining of being in, in a health crisis and a social crisis and an economic crisis at the same time, is that I think, I think companies have, have uh, and businesses found its soul <laughs> where we, we all have a, a greater purpose than just to deliver results for shareholders. And we all, I think we all knew that. Um, some of us were more focused on it before, but I think right now there's this big awakening that we need to take a, a stand on social justice. We need to make sure our employees are, are healthy. Uh, we need to have a view that is much more around stakeholder capitalism than just, just for, for shareholders. And I, I hope that one of the few silver linings of 2020 will be this awakening of of uh, a business that we, we have we, we need to have a soul we need to be involved in solutions for for our communities for our employees uh, for our customers and I look at I look at leaders like Mary Barra and uh, and Doug Doug McMillan at Walmart and the way they've stepped up to take on these issues and, and I'm 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 blown away. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm blown away. It just, it just makes you proud to, I feel proud to have them as customers and to know them and to see them take on issues that are far beyond what, you know, what's important for, for their, their jobs as CEOs of, of two of the biggest companies in the world. So Neil, when in light of that, how does that, you know, change 
if not the nature of the conversations you have, at least the direction of those conversations? Well, you know, I think one of the one of the um, the changes in the conversations is that people are looking inward, especially on social justice, looking looking inward and saying, "Hey, are we are we doing a good job?" And in many cases, the reality is uh, we're not. And when I, I should take a step back, there's lots of roles to play in in in, uh, in the world going forward. For Workday, given our our roots, uh, we think our most important role to play is to be a enabler of uh, more economic opportunity. That economic opportunity and making opportunities available for all rather than for a few is a big part of what an HR platform can provide. We capture the data around diversity. We have our own index we call VIBE, um, value inclusion, belonging and, and equity, which is, is our way of trying to track sentiment around, uh, around the, the initiatives around diversity. And our, our customers are all leaning in on this topic and, and trying to figure out how they can be better. Uh, and I think, again, it's, uh, uh, it's, it's, really, it's really an awakening and a, and a great time. And so for us, we've, we've uh, doubled down on some of these areas in the product that help companies address some of these economic opportunity issues. It's definitely, uh, it's definitely focused our efforts and our foundation towards creating uh, opportunity on-ramps, we call it, but creating on-ramps for people from maybe the le less traditional, less advantaged uh, paths into the, into the workforce. So, uh, so I think that's, it's just, it's been, a, it's been an awakening for companies and for their employees. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, if this was a one country somewhere, uh, some slice of the world, but it's not, right? This is, has been as global globally inclusive uh, or you know it's yeah. touched everybody at, at every level yeah and, and you know on, on the healthcare stuff um, the way that uh, I, I think that what at least what we're doing and when I talk to other CEOs we're all realizing we have to take on more and more responsibility for our employees health and and well-being including mental well-being and that's obviously an issue that surfaced during during COVID um, uh, mental health, uh, it's, it is tough working remotely for, you know, eight months now uh, when you're used to a, a collaborative in-person environment. Yet at the end of the day, we, we are social creatures and, and making sure that our employees still feel connected and engaged is, is, really, is really critical. And, you know, if, if, uh, if, if I were to telegraph, and I'm trying to stay away from stuff that is, you know, commercial for Workday, but if I were to telegraph anything, uh, it definitely raises our awareness and interest in moving into the health and wellness space as a, as a provider, because HR is the organization that is, um, that's front and center for all of these issues. Uh, so, you know, we're taking a, a larger role in vaccinating our, our employees just for this, this flu go around. We want to make sure that um, it's an easier process, uh, especially you know, ironically, if people came into the office to get vaccinated in an office that's been closed for eight months. So, but 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 that's but that's the right thing to do. And again, it's that it's that broader view of what a company is is supposed to do than than just a narrow view of we work for shareholders. And uh, and Neil, as you said, to the expands that view of what a company's supposed to do. And in some ways, I don't mean to get overly touchy feel about it, but what a company is. You know, your points here about the, the stakeholders, the community, the health and well-being of a lot of people. Those, those are 
those are profound changes here at a time when, you know, the world's moving faster than ever before and yeah. new entrants coming into markets. And, you know, now's the time to double down on, you know, our financial results, nothing else, but that's, that's no longer a path forward. No, it, it, it's not. And I actually, the, the people I look to as role models, the person I'm going to guess who's number one on your CEO list, who should be number one, uh, is Satya. And, and Satya leads with empathy. He leads with heart. Uh, and I think it's a great role model for all of us in the technology space to see one of the most important companies in the world leading that way. And, 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 there, and I just think back to 10 to 15 years ago, this is just not, um, this is just not the same business world it once was. We, we, we were not focused on these broader issues. Uh, and I think, you know, the, the, I, I'm super proud of the work our foundation is doing to create opportunities uh, you know, across across the board for for folks that don't don't naturally have those opportunities, and ma many companies are doing that. So this is not about what Workday's doing uh, that's unique to Workday. I think it's just a movement, uh, and and I think it's a really powerful movement. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Neil, so you've touched on a little bit of this as well, but I, I'd I'd love to sort of pull two things together. One is you described some of your conversations with people like Mary Barra, Doug McMillan. And then also the point that, you know, a few months ago, you decided to change your role to become co-CEO and elevate Chano, the business. And you talked about some of that. So how is that going to help you be more of the sort of leader that you aspire to be in these crazy times? Well, you know, t taking a step back, I, I uh, didn't get the training to run a huge company. <laughs> I'll just say that. So Workday is 12,000 people. I always feel feeling stretched pretty thin. I've been the sole CEO for, for seven years now. Uh, the best time I had at Workday was when Dave and I were co-CEOs. That, that was, uh, I'll never forget those years. We had such a great time working together and there were two of us and, and two is better than one. And just in thinking about that and making sure that Workday didn't get, get stale because I've been in the role for a long time, I felt, I felt like it was time uh, to elevate Chano, he's he's earned the right to be co-CEO. He is a much better operating executive than I'll ever be. And um, and what it also allowed uh, me to do was to free me up to focus on the things that that hopefully uh, the world would agree I'm good at, which are products and technology. And, and frankly, it also frees me up to spend more time on some of the Workday Foundation and, and our own family giving efforts. And you know, and Chano has taken on a, a big you know, a big load of, of the, uh, uh, the customer and market facing activities. And, uh, and he's, he's a rock star. And, and much like Dave and I uh, are very close friends, Chano and I are close friends. And I get asked the question, how do you make the co-CEO model work? Number one, friendship. Number two, you leave your ego at the door. And, and you know, Dave, Hopefully you feel that way about me. We're just not big ego people. And so we just figure out what, what do we need to do to be successful as a company? And we're stewards of this, of this company. And, uh, and so just dusting off that co-CEO playbook that, uh, that Dave and I had and now applying it to, to me and Shana. And I'm excited to get back into the products and technology. I, I won't say that I got really far away from it, but I wasn't able to spend the amount of time I wanted to spend on it. Yeah, I think when, uh, Anil, when we had talked, uh, I think last April, you told this story about the, you know, the, in some ways you're the Pied Piper inside Workday, you know, being able to go around and uh, 
talk to people. What do you hear about machine learning? What are you doing with machine learning? And pretty soon, you know, people say, hey, I better. <laughs> but it, it, it does give you that sort of freedom and latitude to be able to do those sorts of things and have more of an impact, right? At a company that's changing awfully fast. Yeah, no, uh, that, that, is, uh, that is exactly what I did for machine learning. And I'm still doing that. And now I am, I am championing uh, a, an elevated user experience. And you know when I when I when I look at the user experiences uh, for different systems, there's a new bar being set by the consumer internet almost every day, and then there's a new bar being set by uh, by the new generation of of cloud companies like the the Zooms of the world, mm -hmm. and we just have to make sure that we are always uh, on that on that leading edge, that cutting edge of user experience because. The most valuable systems aren't necessarily the most powerful, although that helps. It's the ones that people like to use, and we always have to remind. So that's that's my new Pied Piper job. <laughs> well, it sounds like fun there, and that uh, that's interesting, right? As you the 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 sweep of the Pied Piper job goes from machine learning to you know an optimal user experience. I feel pretty... I feel very good where we are with uh, machine learning now. Now now it's. Uh, now it's more about uh, getting customers to use it. Uh, the capabilities are there. And, and as you know, with machine learning, the more data you have, the more you can train the algorithms to make better and better predictions. So we're in that phase working with our customers to really apply the data uh, and, and, and get those better predictions and, and start down that path. And, uh, and so far, so good. And I'm really, I'm really again, very uh, proud of our engineering team that we didn't, we didn't try to take any shortcuts. We um, we basically built the we built it into the platform so that every app can use machine learning. It's not a feature of a particular application; it's a capability built into into the platform. Yeah, yeah. And Neil, one of the things you know throughout the year that uh, has been always sort of striking, I think, in in sorry, in the quarterly reviews that you've had, the quarterly numbers, is when Tom Bogan talks about those the spike in the number of planning scenarios that companies have done. So as you look into 2021, it seemed to me that might be one of those things that changes the marketplace's perception of what Workday does. You've always been known for your franchise thing. Financials has become you know, a big business on its own, but could you talk a little bit about the role that you see planning will have in 2021, given sort of the new reality we're all dealing with and also then the interplay that that has across some of your other businesses? It's, it's, a, it's a great question, Bob. You know, when, when you think about how a business runs or how any organization runs, you come up with a plan, you execute against that plan, you analyze the results, you look at those results, and then you, and it, and it impacts the way you plan the next time around. That worked well for many years when we were doing annual planning. In today's world, you threw out the annual plan in March, and it probably changed <laughs> at least a dozen times between, I know our plans changed a dozen times between March and, and October. And my guess is probably more than that. Those are the only ones I saw. Uh, and so now planning is front and center. And if you have the wrong plan, it, it, you know, it almost doesn't matter what you're executing against. You have to execute against the right plan. And so planning has definitely spiked in, in interest. Uh, you know, we now have over 4,500 customers using planning. Many of those were um, historic uh, adaptive customers. The, the vision that we have is, is tying together that loop I talked about in a, clo a closed-loop way, planning, execute, 
analyzed. So the plan uh, re uh, gets uh, represented in the execution plan in HR and financials and procurement. The results are analyzed through Prism Analytics. Those results are fed back into the plan and you get to this mode of continuous planning. And in, independent of the pandemic, I think we're getting towards a world of rapid planning anyways, because the world is changing so fast and business cycles are so fast. But with the pandemic, you know, uh, your business is going through ups and downs that are just so hard to predict. So you just have to be very nimble uh, in, in the way you plan. And then you want to make sure that plan is, is represented in your transactional or execution systems like HR and fence immediately. You can't wait for the data to get moved over and, and worry about whether the data is, is uh, of, of uh, high quality or not. You just have to assume that that works. And, that, and that's really the problem we're trying to solve. Uh, but it all starts with planning. It all starts with planning. Yeah, and the just the, the discussion there as well, Anil, when you've been saying more and more over the last couple of years is said, okay, we've got a broad enough portfolio that we can appeal to a number of different companies from a number of different entry points. And if you're able to achieve that high level of customer satisfaction, customer delight, they're going to be more open to, you know, looking for the next one along the way. It, you see that playing out into the future, just as it has this year? You know, absolutely. I, I think that uh, over time, we built a pretty broad portfolio in HR. We, we expanded from HR to payroll and then into the, the full suite of talent management with performance and learning and recruiting. And in some ways we're doing exactly the same with finance. We started out with core accounting, then we expanded into planning and now a broader footprint in procurement. And so from a customer perspective, hey, if, if we get a shot to, to get in the door and do a good job for them in planning, well, we hope we'll get the nod when they do core accounting uh, down the road. Some companies are embracing the core accounting change during the pandemic because they realize that they want to close their books remotely. They, they, they need to upgrade their system. Others are saying, I'm going to wait until after the pandemic is over. So, you know, they fall into different camps. Everybody agrees that they need to do planning better right now. So plan, planning is, is just a, uh, is a very popular um, product right now. If I, if I compare it to where we were five years ago, if we walked in, to a customer and they didn't want to change out core accounting, well, we just left because we didn't have anything else to talk to them about. But now we say, okay, well, if you don't want to, if you don't want to change out core accounting, do you want to start with planning? Do you want to look at Scout for uh, for sourcing? Uh, do you want to look at our analytics and come back to the core accounting piece? And so it's 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 uh, I think it's one of the reasons why our financial business has done well is because it's now viewed as a full platform, not just not just a core accounting solution. That turned out to be Core accounting turned out to be um, necessary, but insufficient, I think is yeah. the proper yeah. mathematical way to say. It. And, I, and I will take full responsibility. If I had to do it all over again, uh, you know, we follow the, the PeopleSoft playbook from going from HR to finance. I would have gone to planning first and then to finance because mm -hmm. planning was imminently ready to be taken on by the CFO department in a cloud model and it's take it, the the core accounting took a little longer to get that kind of traction. So I would have, that's the one thing I would have definitely done differently. Start with planning, we figured it out, um, and so now we do have both. But but that's that's definitely one takeaway. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Neil, in the minds of customers, then <clears throat> you've described you know this surging uh, relevance and significance for planning. How about analytics, and are there sort of natural tie-ins between those two? 
Uh, I, I think absolutely. And, and again, it's that, it's that closed loop of looking at what you planned and how did you actually do against that plan and then feeding it back into that plan. When you talk to a, a business, that's, that's how they work. And historically, they had multiple systems with multiple user experiences and uh, security models. And we're trying to simplify that and, and unify it. And, and it's resonating um, so far really well. I'd say what we've learned about analytics over the last couple of years, Prism is a great platform. We were very lucky to acquire this great technology company, Platfora. Um, and I almost describe it as a Swiss army knife of technology, just had a lot of capabilities. What we see from our customers is that, you know, we're an applications provider. They want us to build applications. And so the first application we, we came to market with were people analytics. And uh, there's been great reception to those people analytics. And it's the same thing with, you'll see with spend analytics and finance analytics down the road as we, as we roll out those SKUs. Customers aren't looking to Workday necessarily for a technology platform as much as they're looking for solutions. And it's a good reminder, that's the place we're in the market. And so the more that we've actually come up with pre-packaged analytics, uh, the, you know, the, more, the more value we're able to bring to our customers. And so, I, I, so that area is a huge area of investment but just like in, in just like planning, you know, planning is not just a planning is a really powerful technology and modeling engine. The value comes out of financial planning, workforce planning, operational planning. It's actually the functional layer on top of the planning engine that that drives the value for customers. And it's the same thing in analytics. And so, uh, so the, the the two really do go hand in hand as they as they are these applications that sort of front end and, and back end the, uh, the core HR and accounting applications. You know, let me just nudge you a little on something you just said there about that uh, customers really come to Workday for solutions, not necessarily for platforms. And I, I get that, it makes perfect sense. But then how about if you go back to the platform side of it, right? With, you know, one of your big launches this past year and something you've been working on for a few years. So how should, how do you want, customers to view what Workday does in the platform space? So, so uh, you know, as, as you know, it's been, it's been a long time in the making. We, uh, we GA'd our Workday Extend platform, which is really our, our customer extensibility platform. And we were careful because we did not want to make uh, some of the mistakes we made at PeopleSoft where we gave uh, customers these powerful tools, they customized it, and then they couldn't upgrade it. And then, and then they got stuck. And so we went through a lot of analysis and work to make sure that when a customer does an extension with Workday Extend, we can take it from, from version to version for them. That's, that sounds easy, but it's really hard to do. And so that was a big part of, of why we, we took our time. I still think it comes back to solutions. There's gonna be things that customers want in Workday that are, might be unique to them or are going to be ones that are, are two or three years down the road on the roadmap. And uh, now they have the ability to build that solution in Workday Extend that extends their Workday footprint. And uh, you know it, it might be uh, vehicle registration as an example for one of our customers uses it to, uh, to track cars in the parking lot. One of them uses it to track uh, the, the car perks in, in Europe. Uh, another one uses it to, uh, to track um, uh, train schedules in Japan. I mean, it's just, it's tying, it's these things that like train schedules in Japan is probably not gonna make it into the core product. Uh, but now we have an ability for them to, to, to have that built into the, into the system. 
And, um, and the, probably the, the biggest area that I see it is, is customers using it for compensation. Mm-hmm. After all these years, two companies uh, of trying, there's not a compensation model that works for everybody because everybody does compensation differently. And so rather than trying to build this, you know, massive black box compensation system that is super complex to deploy, we now give you the tools to extend it to compensation in the way that's unique to your company, whether it's uh, your stock plan, uh, whether it's the way that uh, your bonus plan is calculated, all those things. And, and so that, that allows us to be, instead of that 95% solution for comp for a customer to be the 100% solution. No, it makes sense. So platform, not so much the, the end, whether yeah. that's the goal, but it's in the service of being able to, you know, expand and enhance those solutions that people really want. I, I wouldn't rule us out of being in the market where we're a, a platform for ISVs to build on our plat- on, on Workday Extend. I just don't see that as a priority anytime soon. There's gotcha. a lot of great platforms out there. For us, this is more about customer satisfaction and making sure that they can they can have the workday solution that meets their their needs, including their unique needs. That, you know, left to our, our uh, historical model, we'd have to figure out a way to build it. And you can only build one-off extensions for customers for so long before it just you know overwhelms your development organization. Yeah, yeah. So now I had one other question I wanted to ask, you, and then to sort of wrap to open it up to you for any final thoughts you might have. I'd love to hear your thoughts on sort of the competitive landscape that you're in right now. You know, right, Neil, you've, you've been doing this for a, a big chunk of your life at, you know, some huge and significant high impact companies. What's, what's sort of the, the, the state of the, the enterprise tech industry now? And is it where you feel it ought to be? Well, um, I'm going to disappoint you, Bob. I just feel like in this world of COVID, it feels it feels wrong to talk about competition without saying something negative. And so I'd rather just not say anything. What I would say is what we all aspire to be. Uh, yeah. And you know, when I when I look to what Workday can be, I don't look to our competitors. Uh, I look to some of these leading edge consumer internet companies that are driving uh, really amazing customer experiences. I look to some of the emerging startups, uh, you know, I, I look at Shopify, what Toby has done, it's just amazing, right? And so there's, there's all this inspiration uh, out there about, uh, about what we can do with the cloud. I'm not sure I know how to define digital acceleration, but it's happening. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's uh, and maybe that's for a, a separate conversation, but this idea that the world is becoming more digital, more automated, uh, all the way from the, the development of a product to the delivery to the customer, absolutely happening. And uh, like, like many of these downturns, trends like that tend to get accelerated, right? So the cloud accelerated in 08, 09. I think anything that's cloud and, and modern is getting accelerated right now. Uh, and so I'm optimistic that we're on the right path and there are a lot of vendors on the right path and uh, you know, I, I think one of the one of the great things is that the new generation of vendors were not competing with each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, we all get along. You know, Mark Benioff is one of my best buddies, and they've been an amazing partner. We have these offerings around Work.com to to bring people to work, to work 
in a safe way in, in, um, in, you know, in this, in this COVID world. Uh, we've got great partner partnerships with people like Okta. Uh, I, we, I, we're a competitor with Coupa, but I got a ton of respect for Coupa and at a, at a joint customer, we'll make sure that it works for the, the customer. It's just a, and I think that that's the way the world of technology, we have to be less focused uh, and narcissistic about who we are and more how we fit into the broader ecosystem. And, it, and I'll come back to, uh, you know, on the enterprise side, Microsoft has driven that message and has made it a lot easier to work with the Microsoft products than maybe 10 to 15 years ago. And, and that just sets a standard, you know, with, with Teams as an example or with Office 365. And I, I think it's a, it's a powerful uh, it's a powerful trend, and I, I think it will continue. I know there's a lot of talk about big tech in the, uh, you know, in the in the uh, in the world. Uh, that's really around. That's really around consumer tech. Yeah. The enterprise companies, I think, have all been uh, very good citizens and are all trying to work together to make our customers' lives better. And I think that's that's the way I'd say the state of the industry is at. And if you'd asked me that several years ago, I couldn't have said that. And I feel like yeah. I feel like that right now. Well, and you know, first, you know, I think it's a great answer. It's not disappointing to me at all. I, <laughs> I, am happy to see sort of things get to the point where there can be more of that focus on delighting the customer. So I, I'm great with that. And the newsletter that I wrote this morning, it, a lot of what you said sort of, uh, reminded me of what I was writing about on that yesterday. I said, these are companies that in this sort of worst of times have enabled different industries, big companies, little companies, medium-sized companies, not just to keep going, but to keep going in different ways that are going to prepare themselves for the future while they do those things like taking better care of their employees, uh, reimagining the engagement with employees, with communities and all that. Now, it's, it's, uh, it's very fulfilling. I think, you know, 15 years ago in my blood and guts days, I might have been, ah, oh, come on, Neil, throw it, shoot an arrow. But no, I, that, that's great to hear. I, I think that's true. I, I think, I think the pandemic has, uh, frankly, the pandemic and the political environment has, you know, at least for me said, hey, you know, we, we've just got to figure out a way to get along. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've got to, we, we're, we're better than this. And uh, without picking sides, we're better than this. And we got to, we got to let get along. And, and as an industry, uh, we've got, we've got to work, we've got to work to do more than just taking care of our shareholders, we got to take care of our customers. We got to take care of our employees. We got to be active members in the community. And I'll say that my 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 uh, party comment, it happens to be really good business. You know, when, when you take care of your community the way the way that like a nationwide takes care of of Columbus, Ohio, or the way that we're involved with Oakland. You know, we're very involved with Steph Curry's uh, and and Steph and Asia Curry's uh, foundation, Eat, Learn, Play. It's basically trying to take care of the the youth in Oakland. Uh, it motivates our employees, right? It, it 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 gets everybody to think, hey, you know, I'm not here just for a job. This is also a place where I can have an impact and and be part of of something bigger than just my job. And so it is good business because the best employees want to work at companies like that. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. 